0: NBC Sports Football Morning and American columnist Peter King, what do you think about the Chase Thomas podcast?
1: I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fan's Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, <laughs> my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it.
0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas going to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Everything school HQ over there on the West Coast in Arizona, where I assume. It is already scorching hot here in mid-April, Corbin Ford. How are you?
1: I'm doing well, and you would not be wrong. It has mm. definitely picked up quite a bit. It was... Whew, I was almost sweating on my shirt yesterday. Mm. I'm surprised, because just two weeks ago, I was still bring a jacket with me in the morning, just in case. Yeah, those times are gone.
0: Mm. Do you like Arizona? Would you recommend living in Arizona?
1: If you have a tolerance for the heat,
0: mm. then
1: I would say yes. When I first came from New York, it was... It was wild. When did um, you move it from New York? Over a decade ago now. So like I was yes. just around high school. Well, I'm aging myself, but like junior high, high school age. Mm. Um. It's my first a uh, Brooklyn, Park Slope specifically. Huh. Yeah. So I mean, and you know, used to cooler weather. I'm used mm. to measuring everything in blocks. You know, walking instead of like having to take a car to go anywhere. Yeah. Um. And you definitely were used to the scorching heat, and I felt like I was going to die. Like it was insane. The air conditioning wasn't doing its job, you know, walk out to get some gas. I remember cause I was just getting out the back seat and asking my mom to go to the store and it was sweltering heat and I was like, Lord. So no, it was crazy. Um, especially I used to live at the park, uh, caught heat stroke out here once I'm doing that. Never even knew that was a thing, but mm-hmm. as, as I got used to it, like now I'm good. Like now I'm actually better with warmer weathers, weather than I am with colder weather. Just because mm-hmm. I'm so used to, you know, wearing shorts, Forty percent of the time, I'm not like in my work clothes, you know, and things of that nature. So, yeah, if you're good with heat, I mean, Tennessee, not too far off. It's a very dry heat, Mm -hmm. and in June and July, just stay indoors, probably for the best. But aside from that, I'd say beautiful weather. When it's cold, it's not super cold. Um, it's like a nice, you know, nice little bite chill in the the air. Uh, A little bit of rain during the winter months. Um, I'd say it's okay. Say it's okay. All things considered,
0: the older I get, the more, uh, the more. How can i phrase this the more i just load the cold where i i'm counting down the days but i was a cold weather person when i was younger where i enjoyed warming up far more than i enjoyed cooling off and now I flipped where I'm like, no, I, I like just throwing on a polo and some, some khaki shorts and some white shoes and stepping out. Like I think about it that way where I got, I get so tired of winter clothes and dressing. Like when you pack, when you go on a trip, you have to bring so many layers. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm over gosh. It. I'm Traveling over is same. easy. I'm going back home to Atlanta for my birthday weekend this weekend. And oh, wow. Happy early birthday. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. thirty uh, 32. Um, wow
1: would not know that ageless mm-hmm. i don't see it wow the
0: hairline disagrees with each other
1: <laughs> oh man <laughs> no that's not that's not fair but no that's, that's not fair to say i i because for one when i see you especially with you know our, our microphone um not our microphone but our headsets on yeah. i can't see it that bad it's like a design It's a pattern you can see yeah. there's like more it's not let's just say this you're not going out screw so
0: no, but see here's the thing. And I'll tell you this, Corbin. And I hope you never have to go through this. Oh. Looks like okay. you got a strong hairline. Looks like you're you're okay. That.
1: Oh, trust me. If I get a receding, we're just going to be MJ.
0: Okay. But immediately you know, right now.
1: Yeah, I'm not playing games with it. <laughs> I won't be the last to know that I'm falling off a cliff in my hairline like I will yeah, no.
0: You're not going to Trey Lance it.
1: Mm-mm, no we're not gonna go through an awkward phase you know the the no no i can't do that that's a good one the trey lance i like it
0: that was rough i saw that this week i'm like oh know, my man. man
1: just let it go my guy
0: but i also understand when you're that young mid-20s early mid-20s it's tough like i was fortunate got to the late 20s got go. late 20s and then you start to crime, lose it and you're like all right yeah you start to lose it and Spend then when you're married corbin it's like Look, is my wife cool with it? All right, we're good to go. Yeah, who do you want to impress anymore? Like, okay.
1: Exactly. Okay, see, I need goals. <laughs> goals. I mean, look, man,
0: that's that's the one of my favorite parts It's just there's no insecurity about anything. You're like, hey, eh, well, no matter what I'm rocking, am I going to be a robe guy? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm a robe guy in the morning, Corbin. <laughs> I'm a robe guy. I look like a Jedi every morning. I throw my hood on over my oh, robe, and man. I'm walking around reading the Atlanta Journal Constitution with huddled over my coffee. It's a, oh, wow. it's a delight. I got my reading glasses on. It's I look <laughs> seventy four. My wife looks over to me. Mm-hmm. I am aging into Junior Soprano. Like that's what I've realized. I'm going to look like at seventy five. It, oh, it's no. almost identical to Junior Soprano. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow. That's what's happening. There's no way around it.
1: You're a way more knowledgeable sports person on that. Like like Junior Soprano would kill. Well. That's not the right use of word. But anyway, yeah. He would kill actually. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Junior Supreme would absolutely do that, uh, Corbin. Not
1: even waiting waiting a moment. Nope.
0: <laughs> no. Um, but Corbin, the NBA regular season has concluded since our last recording last week and uh outside of enjoying that we're doing this every week and we should have been doing this every week during the regular season and that was a miss from us but it was we're 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 in a groove and love doing these nba pods with you and one of the things that i think is is really cool is that we have a very um different outlook on uh so much of the nba where uh you're 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 the optimist of this very program, and I I'm more of the cynic when it comes to a lot of teams, the, the pessimist when it comes to a lot of teams, and that's why I want to ask you here because I'm very curious to see what your answer is going to be. NBA season has concluded. A um, couple playing teams already out. Out of everyone who is no longer playing competitive basketball, Corbin, for that their 2022-2023 regular season has concluded altogether. Who has the most important offseason for all any of the teams that did not make the playoffs for you? Who do you think is entering the most important offseason for them?
1: Of any team that didn't make the postseason. Yes. Um I don't know. When I, when I think important offseason usually it, it like means something bad right like i would say like it doesn't have to be orlando bad. yeah like I okay i appreciate that because like orlando to me is an important offseason they're they're you know in in a they have a solid foundation you know between Paulo bancaro and franz wagner mm. um marco Fultz have been playing well you know wendell carter jr as well you have a nice solid foundation there you're gonna know, have a nice draft pick uh you know probably what mid late lottery well, not mid lottery. That's being wildly options. You have two in the lottery. Excuse me, one probably in the middle of the lottery. That's probably better. Do they have um, two
0: lottery picks?
1: I think they have the Bulls. Oh, I think they for have the Peruvichovich. Yeah, exactly. And then their own. Um, in fact, Tankathon. They're is gonna a have thing.
0: to trade one of them. There's no that's room.
1: I well, I feel like they could trade one of their incumbent players. That I mean, that is there. That's not currently. I don't know. Maybe not a Cole Anthony or anything, but maybe like a. I guess you're right because you're right. Jalen Suggs, you still want to keep like a lot of these guys. You still want to have on the roster just to see. Um But Franz I also feel is like definitely
0: a stat He's a guy like Franz is a starter. Franz, is, yeah,
1: I think Franz Boncaro, like those two are, are, are definitely they're locked there. in. They're core yep. pieces. And then on the outside, maybe not on the outside, but just like right there, you could look at like. Um, uh, Wendell Carter, right? Or uh, uh Jalen Suggs, and then you know, I, I would say maybe a Bull Bull, a Jonathan Isaac's for sure. Um, I mean, you know, those are guys there. Maybe, uh, um, I don't know. I feel like you want to keep a Wendell Carter. I feel like you want to keep yeah. A I feel like you want to keep Cole Anthony. I feel like this spot is like a scoring six man type
0: cole anthony was valuable if you watched and look i'm a real sicko watching orlando magic games at 6 30 in the morning from time <laughs> to time this past year but wow, while you. i caro i was i the reason i was immediately in on him was he was just getting to the line like he was because i i saw the free throw attempt raid and i was seeing i'm like that's interesting for a rookie just to see him attack like i didn't really see as much of that with him at duke <laughs> and i was just curious to see what he actually played like and I wonder if part of it is just because of the point guard and kind of lead guard situation in Orlando is a little bit different than most teams. So he got more opportunities to initiate the offense and because Orlando is oftentimes starved for offense and guys who can create their own shot. Um, ben Caro just picked up that mantle, but he was, he was a lot of fun because Ben Caro attacked. He has a pretty, pretty jumper. He finds he's just aggressive. Like he's a lot more of an aggressive score than I thought he was going to be in the league. But I think him and Franz work really well together. And I, I agree with you on Cole Anthony. I think he is he's someone that you don't want to move off from a because he knows exactly what his role is and he's good at it. Like Cole Anthony knows he's not going to be like a big time uh, all NBA point guard in this league. I think Cole's already kind of settled into a role. His dad played in the league. His dad was a role player. I think he kind of he's just someone you want because he's a He's one of those rare young former lottery glue guys that has already kind of the light bulb went off. Where it's like, uh, I I'm not gonna be a superstar. Like I'm for me to stick in this league for 15 years, I gotta be the six man, just energizer bunny, the DJ Augustine type, um, and make this thing work that way. He was good for them. Like he, yeah. he shoots the ball well, he distributes well, he's great score, he's active. Like I think he's a he's a core piece, but then you're like All right, well then you're gonna have to decide between Suggs and Markell pretty soon, and I think because like they both need to play a lot, like to see what they have. And you've already paid Foltz, and Foltz is solid. Like Foltz, I would not be great about moving off from. But it's also like, well, you did draft Jalen Suggs in the lottery, so are you ever gonna kind of give him the reins to make mistakes and play thirty plus minutes a night and just see what you have with him and Bancaro and Franz and Wendell Carter? Like, I don't know. That's a like they have to make some tough choices. And I think and the other one you mentioned too, Jonathan Isaac, like, are you really going to keep doing this song and dance, wondering about his long-term availability? Like,
1: yeah, I think you got I mean, we're going to talk about another guy like that. I'm sure. But I think yeah. you have to kind of cut the cord. Um, that's probably not the right word, but it, it just has to be done. Like mm. you, it is it, something about the fact that, he can't play, he's not available. And you're paying yep. him in a contract. And the idea of Jonathan Isaac is more exciting right now than the than the actual Jonathan Isaac because you don't see him on the floor. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I think bottom line I just did a little tangent while we were talking. And it's like, um, according to just the latest one I did, the magic would have the number seventh pick and the number twelfth pick um from Chicago. So maybe they flip the twelfth. Maybe you can move the seventh and twelfth package together for impact player and speed up your timeline. Um does that mean like a guy like a John Collins and maybe another ancillary piece? I mean, does he even fit with that monster front court? Unless you want Banker to play like point guard France to play. You know, like like is he the guy? I don't even know. That was just a name that I popped off the top of my head. But like maybe you do that. Maybe you pick someone at seven, move the 12, attach with Jonathan Isaac's salary, and get another player like that. Um, but at, at the end of the day, I like their future. Um, I think it's most important for me from an optimism standpoint because you're starting to see the true building blocks and pillars in the right direction and how they're moving. And now it's important to see if we can continue to add on to that, not mm-hmm. take a step back, not regress, and continue that positive momentum. Um, another team not so much on the positive side the Rockets, right? Because, I mean, look at them. They've had two – going on three is now just being just horrible. And now we're not just talking about the quality of play on the floor, we're talking about the reports you hear outside of that, the the, the constant, you know, talking about uh, the lack of discipline from other players and the way they don't play the right way. Like they have an important off as well. First finding a new coach. I think Steven Silas is a little bit of a scapegoat. Yes, he wasn't the right fit for this team, but let's be real. He was never trying to be in charge of a, a rebuilding project. He thought he was going to take over and coach Russell Westbrook and James Hart, Right. Not every coach is a versatile coach for all aspects. A contending team coach and a development coach are two different things. You know what I mean? And I think that Silas was clearly, clearly not the coach to be in charge of rebuild. But I also don't think he deserved the flag he got for the results that were had by this Rockets team. So first, you know, finding a, a, a new coach that's going to fit, you know, put their own personality and still a sense of culture and accountability. That's important. I would say secondly, um their draft because the technical I just did, they would have the third selection. That's not Wembenyama. That's not Scoot. Make the right selection, see how that fits in. And then third, you know, figure out how this team works. Like, Ken porter is not a point guard. Like, figure that out. You know what I mean? Jalen Green, how can you optimize him in a better role? How can you do that and also, you know, um, give Auburn Shungun some time to shine? There's a lot there, and that's important too, but just on the opposite end of the of the spectrum.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I'm i going to hold the Houston take because I have a follow-up question that involves Houston and the state yeah. of Texas here. And I think I might throw in the third uh team in the state of Texas because all three missed the postseason. For the first time in NBA, what, uh, how many years was it since uh, all three Texas teams missed the NBA playoffs at the same time?
1: I'd be like the 80s.
0: It was no. something 20 plus years. It's been... Yeah.
1: No, you're right. Maybe... Because when the Rockets sucked in the early 2000s before Yao, and that was like a two-year Spurs window. Spurs were definitely in. The Spurs yeah. were definitely in. The Mavericks as well. Mid- and the
0: Rockets dominated most of the 90s.
1: Exactly. So they were always in. The Spurs were also in there. David Robinson. Yeah. Den- I mean, David Rob. Yeah, David Robinson, Dennis Rodman, boom. So if we go back to like the late 80s, the Spurs teams were kind of Alvin Robertson, Johnny Moore uh rockets were still good though because they had ralph mm. samson that just made the final so no even further we're looking at like i'd say late 70s mm.
0: yeah
1: it seems even further i can't think of a year a fluke year in the last yeah because even like if you want to think the mid like the mid 2010s like yeah dirks mavericks are bad but the spurs are definitely in james Harden was on the Rockets, so yeah yeah we're looking we're going back to like 19 i'd say if i had to take a guess I'd say like 1976. Hmm. Yeah, just throwing it out there. I'll check it out while we talk. You know, see if I'm right or wrong. If you see me nod my head, no, that they'll never <laughs> hear it. <laughs> you know? But either
0: way, it kind of proves our it's point, which is wild. just how rare it is for all three of those uh, programs to be in the in the spot that they're in. Um, I just I'm very curious to see what the magic do to put a bow on what happens with Orlando. I think that's a really good call for an important offseason because I think they have an opportunity to make. I mean, the Bulls will see what they do this offseason. The Raptors are absolutely a candidate to blow it up Um, this offseason. Like Nick Nurse's future is very much up in the air. Who knows if uh, Masai gets pulled away? Does someone offer uh, Masai a better GM president of basketball ops somewhere else? Like that's always a looming possibility um i don't know i think that's fred van Vliet's probably gone uh no matter what so i i just think they're gonna be faced with tough decisions and you look at it hawks always mercurial you don't know what they're gonna look like they might trade trade this summer that's still up in the air so i think that bottom half of the eastern conference playoff race like the nets what do they look like with a full season where you don't have the option of stacking a bunch of wins with kevin durant um on your team. So, do they keep this going? Is Mikhail Bridges this kind of player for 82 games uh in 2023 and 2024? Maybe. We'll have to see it, awesome. but yeah. maybe. Um, so, I think there's an opportunity for a team like Orlando to take a significant step forward because they do, like we mentioned, a lot of those role players and they have a nice balance between vets and young guys who are popping. And, like you said, two lottery picks. We'll see what they do there. They just have options. Like Hammond in that group, uh, they have. A variety of ways they can go and i think that's a huge resource and asset to have those two picks um in the lottery and what they do because i don't think they necessarily have to do anything um especially if you get one in the top three or four if one of them sneaks up into that group then you definitely can move that second one if you can get just a high-end lottery pick and um move that second lottery pick for another veteran who can really help you uh i think it's good i think the magic are close to being a play-in team i would not be surprised at all if they're in the play-in race uh towards the end of next year i think they're they're right there they play really fun basketball it's very different they're all long they're all big and they just kind of fumble around and Franz saves a lot of possessions just uh with some cool passes and stuff and Paolo getting to the line there you go better job though yeah going into 2023 Mm -hmm. this is something i want to throw out to you so stephen silas obviously out in houston Corbin. If True. He's not gonna do it, but if Greg Popovich retired this off season with the current state of the Spurs and Jason Kidd was relieved of his uh position, much too friend of the pot, Lauren Grant uh Lauren Guns uh, <laughs> maybe advice there a little bit i don't know uh, uh coaching change um i, I think lauren uh, can't speak for lauren but i think based on her twitter timeline uh she might not be uh she might be okay with a coaching change um and possibly uh, maybe yeah, maybe <laughs> and then you have those three we talked about the just they're all missing the postseason this year obviously all three are in extremely different situations um with their franchise but If you are a prime coaching candidate, if you're Kenny Atkinson, if you're insert hot coaching name candidate here, even like an email who's waiting it out and see what he can do, like, does he look at any of those three? Like, let's just say whoever it is, they're looking around at those three jobs. What do you think is actually the best job there based on their personnel and based on what they can be over the next two to three years? Because I thought about this and I'm like, I don't your first reflex is Dallas. But I don't think it's Dallas for me. And I and I just I talk myself out of all three. I don't have a strong answer here. Do you have a strong one if you're a premier candidate and you're the his advisor on which job to take because you think this job is going to be the best in the next two to three years?
1: I mean, I I feel like it's San Antonio. I feel like the culture is there in San Antonio. I think that's the most important thing. If it was talent, mm-hmm. I'd probably go with obviously Dallas. Just because of Luca, but then second would be Houston because I think they have younger talent. Like Dallas, I mean, like you come in Dallas, is great, but now you have you're, you have the unenvi- unenviable task of like convincing Luca, you know, to build the right team and do it quickly because you have the pressure on yourself. For Houston, mm-hmm. you probably don't have it as hard. You still have it, but you're not trying to keep like a franchise game-changing top five player in the NBA happy, you know? So I keep seeing young, young stars happy and build the right foundation and make them into winners. That's kind of what a job should be for a GM anyway. So. I feel like in that order, I'd probably, due to pressure, say San Antonio first, hmm. they have, I don't think they have as hard of, a, okay, we need to win now. You don't really hear them in those conversations like you did the Thunder or you hear the Rockets or these other teams because they do fight. They put out their best effort. These don't have the talent, right? But they have, they have I mean, they have, they have talent. These are the requisite talent to be one of the better teams that they used to be. That's a better way of saying that. But
0: Are you a big Devin um, sell guy?
1: I was about to say, I like them. I like Heldon Johnson. I think you need another guy to be that A main, you know, offensive uh, hub or the defensive anchor, whatever the case may be, because those two players are solid players. But if they're your best players, then you're where the Spurs are. You know what I mean? But I think that you have a good foundation there. Um, You definitely can't say the Spurs aren't playing the right way, you know, coached by Greg Popovich. Yeah, they have bad habits, but they're young. It's not bad habits like Houston bad habits, right? Um, You don't have the drama that comes with Dallas and, and the toxicity there. And I think if Pop leaves, then you have at least a good front office leadership situation and one of the best player development front offices around um, to then move forward with. So I would probably go San Antonio first, then Hot Take Houston, and then I would go Dallas.
0: There's a case for all three. I mean, Jalen Green has shown flashes. They have a lot. Sanguine, everybody in NBA Twitter loves him. You have, like, they might win the Wimbenyana Sweepstakes, or Scoot Henderson, depending on who you like more. Maybe even Brandon Miller. Like Spurs are going to be right there too. I selfishly want Wimbenyana to end up in San Antonio. I think Jeremy Sokan and uh, and Wimbenyana would be a lot of fun. And then with Devin Vassell and Keldon Johnson, suddenly that's a really interesting, like young four core. Like that's, that's a little interesting. I like Vassell, but he's he seemed, he's a role player. I like Kelvin Johnson. He's just more of a role player. And they did pretty well with the DeJante trade. I think it's kind of amazing because you mentioned the personnel and everything. I just, I, I think it's amazing that they got a better deal for DeJounte Murray than Kawhi Leonard. Like, that is oh, unquestionably wild. the case. As DeJounte net, netted them multiple first round picks, the Hawks gave up a lot for DeJounte Murray. And I love DeJounte. He's been great to watch. And I've enjoyed uh, DeJounte Murray being a Hawk. Oh, absolutely. That being said, the Kawhi Leonard stuff was, like, just go back. That trade was, it It, it would have been destroyed if it were not the Spurs, like if the Spurs did not get the benefit of the doubt at the time, which they deserved. I just, that that set them back. And that was just a huge issue. And they're still kind of fighting through that now. Um, and then just the elephant in the room of Josh Primo, just gone forever. Like yeah. a lottery pick that you yeah. probably put a lot of eggs in that basket for nothing, just gone. And rightfully so, Very but that just, it's just gone. So I just feel like their cupboard is so barren right now with intriguing all-star potential talent that i'm like i don't know man i don't know if i want to go anywhere in your fallen pop i don't know but then you're like houston like you said you hear the stuff from the outside about houston like steven silas what was it like he was brought to tears for, for not being able to connect with this group. Like what is I going heard, on? Yeah,
1: And even that I heard was out of context and, and, and a miss, but even then he did cry at some point. You're but right, either it way, if mess. that comes
0: out, whatever exactly. is true there, that's never a good sign for an organizational health. Like for whatever it. the context, that's just not something you want to see. Mm. And then mm. Dallas, I think Dallas is still one for me just because when Mignotta and Scoot Henderson, whoever Jalen green, they can all be really good players. It's just really, 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 really rare to find a Luka. It just is. And if you're betting on like, hey, they're going to have, they lost everybody. It can't get any worse roster personnel wise. And like, if Kyrie comes back, you have two of the, what, uh, top 20 players still in this league on your team. Like, if you fiddle around the edges and you hit on the right veterans, you could easily see a scenario where things flip. You could, you could talk yourself into it. So for me, I think I would still say Dallas because I think it'd be the easiest for me to talk myself into. I can fix this and this, this can be a thing. And it's also like, I know what I have in Luca, and I know what I have in Kyrie. And I, I just, I think it'd be tough to walk away from, but I do think it's interesting. Uh, it, it, the if All three of those came open, what the report to be about uh, varying teams interests in that. Um, Corbin. Mm-hmm. Seems like there is some tension with the New Orleans Pelicans. CJ McCollum had some thoughts on uh, folks being available. Availability is a common talking point now in the league. We don't know if Zion was uh, who CJ was talking about. And uh, this quote that's gone around. We kind of do. We kind of do. But we can't say for certain because he didn't say Zion by name. No, it's such a vet that CJ. But zion did not play in the playing game there was the weird quotes about like is he right but he's not mentally right like so until he feels like zion essentially he's not gonna play which again we don't know what's going on with zion physically mentally what what have you we're not there we don't know the specifics we're just reading the reports just like everybody else that being said with everything that's gone on here and this whole season being for nothing, once again, because you have you made the CJ McCollum trade. Brandon Ingram, we talked about in the pod last week, was playing all-star basketball. And if Zion made the effort and Zion plays, even if he is not a hundred percent Zion, even if he is eighty percent, seventy-five percent, that is a hugely impactful all-star player. Yeah. And I just I cannot imagine how frustrating it must be for the Pels who fought all year and for the fans who are like, man, Brandon's right there. We've got CJ. We've, we're deep everywhere. We're nine to ten guys deep. If Zion plays, what is this team? This team, Corbin, do you remember how many months ago was it? They were number one in the West. It feels like a lifetime ago, but I do but remember that happened this year. Yeah. That was the case this year. People forget they were the number one seed for a little bit of time.
1: Remember when um, there was talk, and as a Laker fan, I take just mm. tremendous gratification is that, they, you know, they're sending scouts for the Pearl and the Pelicans to scout Victor and because there's a good chance that they would make the playoffs, be a top five seed, and then also draft in the lottery because mm. of our folly. But but now, you know, to quote Spencer Denwood, we're in the playoffs, they're not, you know, <laughs> like, it's wild. Like, it shows you how long of a season, you know, mm-hmm. this NBA season is, how Quickly, things can change on a literal dime, and also how far they've fallen. You went from the mm-hmm. top of the West to quite literally near the bottom, you know. And, and yes, injuries happen, and, and it's big, and losing Zion's big, and apparently, um, there's a stat I, I forgot the exact number of minutes. Actually, I think it was one seventy-one and one sixty-six. Basically, the one sixty-six minutes that, or the one seventy-one minutes that CJ McCollum, Zion Williamson, and Baron Ingram have played together, um, all season. Is mm-hmm. slightly more than the th- than the one sixty six played by Chris Paul, um, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. Like, they play like fifteen games. You know, I uh, post straight deadline you had all season. I just thought that was really interesting to kind of bring out. But yeah, uh it's a mess. There's a lot of angst there and a lot of tension and I I, I get it. I mean, right now I feel like some of it's a little little raw, a little fresh, and so maybe it's a little overblown because they are off of the throes of a devastating loss, you know, and, and you know, at this point, someone has to be blamed, and Zion literally just came up with the ill-timed quote, you know, the day of the elimination. So I, I think that as cooler heads prevail, you'll see. But bottom line, you have to really start looking like, hey, you know, things have to change. You know, ESPN had this little quote showing uh, Brandon Ingram and, uh, and um, Shea gil Alexander, like, hugging each other and saying, like, two young players in our league. Granted, they're, they're not wrong. You know, Brandon Ingram is – you know, is a young player in, in the league. Uh, he's not as young as Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He's 25, going to be 26 uh, before next season and is in this eighth season. So, like, it's hilarious to think about that. Um, but that just further shows, hey, like, things have to happen. Like, w- you know, CJ McCollum, you have him on a huge contract for the next three years, you brought up. Like, this, this is unacceptable, basically. We're getting to the point where it doesn't justify the cost put on this team.
0: I wonder if they explore the Zion, just like cutting your losses. Like, just I don't know. You've already Zion paid him for the- Obi. Ooh, I
1: I, I want to do that. I I want a young player like that. You know, you can keep Murphy. You can do draft picks. You're probably gonna get extra. You know, back. Mm-hmm. But I, I would do that. I think that you know, Ingram's playing all star numbers. Murphy made a huge leap. Her, you know, her, her, her Herbert Jones defensively is solid. Bring in a guy like Anobi, who's like a pumped-up version of Murphy. You know, better defender. You know, more versatile offensively. Murphy still a better shooter. Can play of year. Did he lead the league in steals this year? I think he did. Yeah, I think yeah. so. And just lean all the way on this versatile wing attack. You know, surrounded by like a CJ McCollum as your combo guard. And if you want to keep Jonas Valanciunas, as a different look, you definitely can. But I, I would say OG Anobi with the way the Raptors are right now, like where they sit. I mean, maybe it's in play. Maybe it's possible. I don't know. You throw it out there, see what happens.
0: Yeah, I I don't know what's going to happen, but they are a team to monitor uh, another one, one of our uh, important off seasons. So just another one right there. Um, Corbin, as we wrap up here... Uh, on this uh evening so you got some other shows you gotta hit so we appreciate
1: you kind we got
0: man, no. <laughs> we got to i know i know i
1: overbooked it. you know and that's the one thing you you're like oh yeah oh yeah i knew i had the, the chase thomas podcast today i'm like good but the time was different one road and the other won't be the problem next week watch we're okay,
0: <laughs> we're okay man we got uh all the pod time in the world here the last thing though Now that we have a pretty good idea what the first-round matchups are going to be, Corbin, what do you think will end up being the best first-round matchup? Because we know what the most expensive is, and that's going to be the Sacramento Kings and the Golden State Warriors. The ticket there warms my heart after 18 years not being in the postseason Mm -hmm. to see those beam folks just enjoy uh, making it back and also got to avoid the Lakers because that would have been... Oh, I was hoping... I didn't, That's I didn't want it, happen. but I also don't know if the Warriors was a great draw for them either here with Andrew Wiggins and Gary Payton and everybody back in uh, an important moment for the dubs. But what do you think? Is it Kings Warriors or do you think there is a better first round series that you're going to just look at it? And when we get to round two, you're like, that was that was the best series by far.
1: No, I'm, I'm going to go with Kings Warriors. I think that Suns Clippers has potential, depending on when Paul George comes back, how hmm. healthy he is when he comes back. And also, the Warriors, I mean, not the Warriors, the lakers Grizz is going to be like a fun, interesting match, There's going to be a lot of fireworks over on that end between the media and quotes and Dylan Brooks and LeBron, all of that. But in terms of just fun, you know, uh, teams that were in the top 10, both teams top 10 in pace offensively this past season, you know, electric offenses, uh Steph Curry bombing threes. Darren Fox in transition. DeMontis a bonus in the post. Raymond Green in his defensive efforts. Andrew Wiggins. Malik Monk. Kevin Herter. You can go down the list of all these other guys. Keegan Murray. Like, like all these folks. And I think that, at the end of the day, what I'm excited about is the coaching matchup of, of Steve Kerr versus Mike Brown. They both go from, you know, collectively trying to extol the Warriors to play better transition to defense, all those dynasty years they had, to now coach against each other, probably saying the same thing to their respective teams. So I'm definitely looking forward to kind of seeing whatever chess match is going to be wrapped up in this just fun display of offensively field basketball.
0: Yeah, I think that will be one. I'm actually kind of curious how the Hawks play the Celtics. I'm kind of curious to see what that looks like. Do we get a Zaza type? Uh, run here from the Hawks. If you remember, the Hawks-Celtics was Zaza. Uh, Zaza that,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: 10 Back years the, ago. Yeah, 12. Th-
1: literally going on 12, yeah. 10-3, 11, 2011, what's that? Yeah, Al Horford, Joe Johnson, Marvin Williams.
0: That was a fun series. Like, there is some animosity. I think there. this will be a testy series. Marcus Smart, Entree will be testy. Like, I think it's going to be... Look, I think the Celtics are going to win that series. But... I do think it might be a more interesting series than people are giving it credit for. Um, and that's
1: fair. I, I would I would agree with that. I think I, th- I think it would be a, a one to look back on that. I don't know. Let's say for this Hawks team, you're like, hey, mm. like a step in the right direction, you know, or a hurdle playing a tough team, going to be a tough out. But you know what? You took some lessons you can learn, walk away from in the midst of this just angst of the season that you had that you can go and say, okay, let's build off of this in a positive way. Yeah. knows they need it,
0: for sure for sure corbin what can the good folks check out from you across the internet this week
1: you know i appreciate you as always having me on my friend um just follow me on twitter at corbin mba just dropped a oh i gotta share with you i just dropped my piece of swish with with swish theory
0: on the blazers
1: uh, um, on the blazers yes that was a good piece um uh we had some our, our team just did great a great job uh matt Kind of helped me with directing it in terms of you know getting a better direction. Ross came with the sick graphics, and you have the '90s retro style, and you get to see all of the moves and who got traded, who got signed, who got re-signed, who retired. Really good piece, so I definitely recommend folks checking that out. Um, and then just draft stuff I'll be doing on my podcast, just having folks on um, talking draft, so that'll be something coming up here soon. Um, in addition to me being a couple of guests on some shows you might hear about coming up, so uh, including this one. So that, that that's that's my uh, that's my teaser.
0: There you go. I love it. Everything coming up, Corbin. That's what we want in this world. Appreciate you, man. <laughs> uh, Corbin Ford. Thank you, as always, my friend. And I will talk to you next week. Sounds good. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves. And I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program, and if you're an Apple podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves. Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you that you're interviewing. Mm-hmm. You're-